Well, we have a special time this morning because it is Christmas morning, and we have something special for our children, so I'm going to ask the kids to come up and just sort of sit around the front here, and we have a message for the kids this morning and a sermon for the kids, and of course, adults, you're more than welcome to tune into this and even participate with us as our kids come forward this morning. So just go ahead and sit right around in the front here, okay? Just have a seat right down front. Well, Merry Christmas, boys and girls. How many of you already have opened presents? Wow, look at that. It's exciting, isn't it? I'm excited. We haven't opened our presents yet. We're going to do that when we get home. Hey, I'm going to need your help here. We're going to, we're going to put together a manger scene right here. So, of course, in our manger scene, one of the first people that, of course, would have been in our manger scene is who? Baby Jesus. That's right. So we're going to put baby Jesus right here. And who else do you think should be there? Who, who else besides baby Jesus? Mary. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, yeah, I think I have a Mary right here. Yep, there's Mary. So we want to put Mary there. Who, who are we missing? Joseph. Oh, yeah, Joseph. Let me see. I'm sure we got a Joseph here someplace. Let me see. Yep, here's Joseph. Right there is Joseph. Now, who else should we put there? The wise men. You think we should put the wise men there? Oh, oh well, you got some arguing going on here. Some say the wise men, some say... Why, why don't you think the wise men? The, the wise men came two years later. Hey, that's right, but you know, maybe... And you're, you know, you're right. You're right. The wise men did come two years later, so they probably, we don't know for sure, but they probably came on camels, didn't they? So here we have wise men. So what we need to do, if we're, if we're going to make our manger seem correct, we better, we better put the wise men traveling, shouldn't we? So you wait. I'm going to put the wise men two years away. Okay? Because we want to get it right. So we'll, we'll put the wise men over here. Is this okay? You think that's two years away? That's three years. Okay. We'll go just two years here. I want to make sure. Okay. I'm not sure they're all going to fit here, but we'll put them there. I better put that wise men, that camel down there. Okay. Very good. So now we got our wise men two years away because they weren't there. Okay. Shepherds. Uh, yeah, there probably were some shepherds. Shepherds. There were some shepherds, weren't they? And I think I took the shepherd instead of the wise men. I messed up. I better go get the wise men. Sorry about that. Here we go. Okay, here we go. We have a shepherd. So if there was a shepherd, do you think there were what? Sheep. So we'll put a sheep. Let's put a shepherd. Hey, was there anything else there? Does the Bible say? Yeah, but a star. I don't have any way to make a star. We'll make those lights the stars. Okay, now sit down for a minute. 
Okay, now, we could, we don't know, does the Bible say there were cows there? Yeah, yeah. No. This is tough. No, the Bible doesn't say, but we're going to go ahead and we'll put, we'll put some cows there just to make it look a little more, more realistic. We'll put another sheep there. You think there was a camel there? Yeah. You think so? I don't think so. I don't think there probably was a camel there. So we're going to put this camel. He was just out in the field someplace. Now, okay, so there we have Christmas. But hold it, hold it, hold it. Let me tell you something about Christmas here. Look, look, I haven't opened my presents yet. So look, I want to show you. It says to my BFF from your BFF. Oh, wow, look at this. Look at this in here, boys and girls. Look at this one here. It says, to my honey from your bee. Woo! Okay. Yeah. It says Dickie Dale from your sweetheart. Oh, there's all kinds of presents in here. Yep. Let's see. This one says to Dickie Dale from Jenny Beth. Oh, look at all these presents I get to open. To my sweetie. Oh. Hey, don't read my cards. Man. Oh, this says, from pastor to, from Mrs. Pastor, it says. That's because she writes all my messages. <laughs> okay. Okay, I better not read that one. Okay. No, look at this one. It, it, she gets one gift. I did bring, she gets one thing. It says, from your sweetheart, from your what? Love. Ooh. Hey, look at all these gifts up here. But there's a problem. What's the problem? It's covering up the manger scene, isn't it? We can't see Jesus because of all these gifts. And you know what happens? Sometimes, we think this is what Christmas is all about. But when we think this is what Christmas is all about, what happens? You had it. Jesus gets what? Jesus gets covered up. He gets behind. So we have to remember, yeah, the presents are a lot of fun, but Christmas is really about who, boys and girls? Jesus. It's about Jesus. So we want to move all these gifts so we can see who? Jesus. That's right. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus. Good job. You can go be seated. Thank you. And we don't want to forget that, even though for the kids it's just as important for us adults. Sometimes we miss the whole meaning of Christmas because of all the wrappings and things like that. Christmas is about Jesus. That's what we want to remember. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and you say, Pastor Dick, that's not part of the Christmas story. And uh, I would differ with you and say, yes, it is. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. And uh, I want to remind you as you turn to 1 Timothy that that is where you'll be reading starting next Monday or next Sunday. We begin, if you're going to be reading with us, called the Book of the Month Club. And uh, we're encouraging our church as a whole 
uh, to read together in 2012, and we are starting by reading 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. You'll read one chapter a day, and uh, each day, so next Sunday you'll read 1st Timothy chapter 1, so this is a good introduction uh, to that, and then on the second you'll read the chapter 2, chapter 3, and you'll keep reading through, and uh, you'll read through those three books twice in the month of January, and in the month of January we'll be preaching from 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus as we look at biblical church leadership. But this morning, uh, we want to open God's Word, and uh, we want to talk about Christmas, a time of transformation. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at God's Word this morning. Father, Lord, we are so thankful for this day, for being able to celebrate Christmas, Father, by being in church and celebrating your birth and your life and your death and your resurrection, so that, Lord, we might be able to have eternal life. Father, we thank you for grace this morning, grace that's not only provided its salvation, but grace that you give us to live our lives by on a daily basis. Father, I am so thankful this morning that we do not have to earn our way to heaven. And Father, we don't have to earn our way into righteousness. We don't even have to earn our way into being good. Lord, you are graceful and you bestow grace on each of us as we live out this Christian life. And so, Lord, today I pray that you speak through the Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, may we leave today encouraged. May we leave today saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's your name we in your name we pray. Amen. There's one thing that the secular world gets right, and that is the true meaning of or the true idea of Christmas. And that is the idea of Christmas is transformation. Now, I want to ask you a few questions this morning. You can uh, raise your hand if you've watched these movies, because these movies have been playing for the last month. I already told you that I've watched some of them. How many of you have watched It's a Wonderful Life? Raise your hand during this Christmas season. Okay. A few of you have watched it. Some of you have watched it. Anybody who's watched that movie, whether it's in this year or last year, you know that Jimmy Stewart in that movie is transformed by experiencing what the world would have been like without him. How many of you have kids, maybe maybe if you don't have kids, you don't want to admit this, but you have watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer this year, okay? A lot of parents there raising their hands, some grandparents, okay? We know Rudolph is transformed as he learns to face his problems instead of running away from them. Okay? How about The Grinch? I told you that was the first movie I watched. It's my granddaughter's favorite. How many of you watched The Grinch? Okay? Now, you know, you know The Grinch um, is transformed when after he steals, uh, tries to steal Christmas from Whoville, and uh, <clears throat> all the Who's come out, and they begin to sing and gather around, and he looks down and he sees that, and uh, without the trimmings and without the tree, without the gifts, they're still able to celebrate Christmas. And through that, the Grinch is transformed. How about this as an old one? How about Charlie Brown's Christmas? How many of you one time in your life have watched that? Okay, now see, that got just about all of us. That one's been around forever. And uh, I really believe when we think about Charlie Brown's Christmas transformation is seen there, 
he had he is symbolized by the scrawny Christmas tree. Maybe some of you say that's my tree at home right now. Uh, he buys the scrawny tree, which he turns into a full, perfect tree under the loving care of his friends. So we see again Christmas transformation. We have been talking about humbug the hallelujah during this Christmas season. And we have been talking about the movie The Scrooge. And uh, when Scrooge went to sleep on Christmas Eve, he was anticipating, uh, he wasn't anticipating what happened. And you know from talking over these last four weeks that he met the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And uh, they transformed his life. In fact, when he woke up on Christmas morning, he says this, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it in all the year. I will live it in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons that it has taught me. And so immediately Scrooge's life is transformed. Instead of um, grasping now, he is giving. Instead of being bitter now, he is loving. Instead of being indifferent to the needs of others, he is now caring. Scrooge's life has been transformed and he is literally a new creature. His humbug moves to hallelujah. And I want to tell you, that's what Christmas is really all about. It is the story of transformation. I believe when you go through and you look at Luke and you look at Matthew and you begin to study those characters of the Christmas story, that even their lives were changed. Mary and Joseph, their lives were changed tremendously through the, the Christmas story. The shepherds, it says they return glorifying God. The wise men who made that two-year trek following the star, it says that they worship the baby. Zachariah, he wrote a tremendous song how his life was transformed. Christmas is all about transformation. That's really what it's about when we look at it, transformation. I want you to look at this portion of Scripture. I want you to look here in 1 Timothy, if you would. I want us to look at verse 15. It says here in 1 Timothy 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in my first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should be hereafter believe on him to, li to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a tremendous portion of Scripture that we find the transformation. And I want us to look at this this morning and just think about this portion for a few minutes. And I want us to consider, if you would, it says, to start off, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That phrase is found five times in the Word of God. And all five times, that phrase, this is faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation or all acceptance, that phrase is found all five times in the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Paul writing to Timothy and Paul writing to Titus, he uses that phrase five different times. And really, 
in that phrase, in that little phrase, it was a unique phrase that people would have understood during the time of the Bible. And basically, basically, if I could put it in the vernacular of today, what it's saying is that you can go to the bank on this. This is a true saying. You can put all your money on what I'm about to tell you. And so Paul's telling Timothy, young Timothy, who has just beginning his pastorate, he's saying, listen, Timothy, you can trust this that I'm about to tell you. You can put all of your money on this saying. You can put everything on this statement that I am about to make. He said, this is sound doctrine, Timothy. Timothy, this is credible and you need to believe it. And that's basically what he's saying. Hey, I'm going to tell you something, Timothy, that's credible and you need to believe it. And all five of those times we see that statement, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, some statement is made that we can go to the bank on. Some statement about doctrine is made that is very, very important. And it's credible. And it's trustworthy. And we can trust it. And so he wants to get Timothy's attention. And so this morning, I want to get your attention and say the same thing. Listen, this next statement that Paul give to, gives to us, it's a credible statement, and we can put our money on it. And here's what it is. You read it. It says, here's what it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the statement. Then he adds, who I am chief. I am the chiefest of sinners. But he said, Timothy, you can go to the bank on this statement that the purpose that Jesus Christ came as a babe was what? It was to save sinners. See, Christmas is about transformation. It's the purpose of the incarnation. It's the whole purpose that Jesus left heaven and took on flesh to come here for the purpose of saving sinners. It's the purpose of the incarnation. There's something else here in this verse that's so important that you ought to underline it. It says that Christ Jesus, what's that next little word? In my translation, it's came. What well, it may be different in yours, but in mine, it's came. Now, what does that mean? If I said that I am going to come to your house, I came to the Martins, and I said, hey, John, I'm going to come to your house. That means that I'm already what? I'm already, I'm already on my way, or I'm already at least someplace. So if I called you and say, hey, listen, I'm at the church, but I'm coming to your house, you would understand that as what? That I am at the church, and I'm going to leave, and I'm going to come to your house. And so in that little statement, that word came, you ought to underline it. You ought to take it and you ought to put it in red because it's an important statement in God's Word. It's talking about the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That statement is saying, listen, before Jesus came here, He existed. Sometimes we read right over important words, and let me tell you, that little word came is an important word in that phenomenal statement. It wasn't that Jesus hadn't been before, and all of a sudden, on that first Christmas, he shows up, and that's the first time he's on the scene. I want to tell you this, that my Jesus was at the creation of the world. In the beginning, 
God created in the beginning, Elohim, in the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created before anything was, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existed. That little word is so important. That little word we can go to the bank on and we can build sound doctrine on that, that Jesus Christ existed before he came as a babe. The pre-existence, the purpose of the incarnation is Jesus coming to save sinners, but the reality is the pre-existence of Christ. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, it tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, Who being in the very nature of God was equal with God, but was made in human likeness. He thought it not robbery because he was God. Jesus was God. And he took on the form of flesh and he came. To what? He came to save sinners. The purpose of the incarnation, the pre-existence of Christ, and then the power to save. He says there, Jesus Christ came into the world to save, to snatch sinners. His name was Mark Vierick. He said on the fourth pew at a funeral service that I did back in Magnolia, New Jersey, it was a very sad service. His nephew and his brother had gone out hunting. And they had hunted all day there in the woods of New Jersey, and he was on his, they were on their way back home, uh, coming out of the woods, and somehow that 12-year-old son's gun discharged, went right through his father's head and killed him instantly there in the woods of New Jersey. And it was at that funeral that Mark Vieira came to pay respect to his brother, and that church was packed that day, and I gave the gospel, and I talked about how Jesus Christ came, and how he had the power to change lives. Mark was a rocker. He played in a rock band. He played in the bars of West Philadelphia and South Philadelphia, played in the bars of Philadelphia and of New Jersey, Southern Jersey there. He was a rough and tough guy loved his rock music, and lived to rock. And that day, when I presented the gospel, he didn't respond. There were several who responded that day, several who realized the power of Jesus Christ to transform lives. And it wasn't until after we had been out to the cemetery and we had come back and we were downstairs in the church fellowship hall and we were eating, the Mark Vieri came over to me and he said, hey, he said, I listened to you when we were upstairs. He said, I don't really understand this thing about Jesus. But he said, I can tell you this, I need Jesus. And he began to tell me about his life and began to tell me about the divorce that he had been involved in and about his children and began to lay out all this sin that was in his life. And I said, can we talk? And we went up, we went upstairs in the quietness of the auditorium and I took him through the word of God and laid out for him what he needed to do. And there that day, that church pew, Mark bowed his head and accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And I want to tell you, Mark Vieric was transformed. He was different. He immediately 
quit smoking. He immediately quit drinking. He immediately quit his band. I mean, he didn't wait to do it. I mean, that day he went home and he called and he said, listen, I don't know why, but I can't play with you guys anymore. And he, be, and he began to grow in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And pretty soon, instead of playing in the rock band, he's playing bass in our worship band at church. And the next thing I know, Mark Vieira is singing solos on Sunday morning. And the next thing I know, man, he's reading through God's Word from the beginning to end, and he can't get enough, and he's calling me every day on the phone saying, what does this portion mean? What? How do I live this? How do I change this in my life? How do I get rid of this? And how do I add that? His life was transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. That little babe that was born in a manger transformed the life of Mark the Eric because Jesus left heaven, came to earth to transform not only Mark's life, but your life and my life. And because of that, if we're excited, we ought to say what? Amen. And it's okay to say amen. It's okay to get excited a little bit in church when we hear about why Jesus came to transform lives. See, all of those television programs and those movies that we watch, they're just all make-believe, but we're talking about reality. I want to remind you that we've talked about the Scrooge this month. That's just a story. But I'm telling you reality this morning. I can tell you that my birthday is November 3rd, 1956 was the year I was born. On November 3rd, I can't tell you the exact year, but there was a man named Wayne Zosh. And Wayne Zosh had robbed banks in northern New Jersey, had served his time, and he moved to southern New Jersey. And he came into our church service one day, and he heard the same story about the babe that was born in a manger. And that day, he walked the aisle, and he made a profession of faith. He accepted Jesus Christ in his, as a Savior. And that bank robber, that man who had robbed banks, was now no longer a robber. That man came to know that babe who went on to die on the cross for his sins. And Wayne Zosh on November 3rd was transformed. And why do I know it was November 3rd? Because to me it was one of the greatest birthday presents I ever got. I'll tell you, it's one of those birthday presents that keeps on coming back though. Wayne was a whole story that I don't have time to get into. But I can tell you this much. I can tell you that I believe Wayne's life was transformed. Was it perfect? No. Again, that's why I'm so, gl I'm so glad for grace. I can tell you the man, Wayne Zosh, who robbed banks in northern New Jersey, would go on to become a police chaplain and ride with the police and win policemen to the Lord. He won the police chief of Magnolia, New Jersey, to the Lord. A man who lived down the street from me, who one day I walked out and I heard screaming. And I looked and it was Rob and his wife fighting out in the street. And I went down and he told me, basically, if you don't go back to where you live, I'm going to arrest you. He's out in the street fighting with his wife. And so I walked back to my house and I told Wayne, you need to get a hold of Rob before he does something that he's going to regret. And Wayne went and he rode along with Rob. And you know what happened? Rob came to know Jesus Christ, the power, the transforming of Jesus and his life also because of Wayne Zosh. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ came to transform lives. And Paul understood that because what does Paul say? Of whom 
I am chief. Of whom I am chief. When we think about transform lives, listen, God did not save Paul just to sit either. Because when you go through there and he says the whole reason he chose me, the whole reason he saved me was that so others could see my life has been transformed. It's not about just keeping it to yourself. It's about letting others, it's about living the Christian life in front of others so they can say, wow, man. Or it's about you telling your story of how your life has been transformed, what God has done in your life. It is a total work of grace. Not only salvation, but this whole part of living out the Christian life. I had a professor in college who taught personal evangelism. I think he spoke here one time. Sumner Wimp is his name. And we had gone through the whole semester of school, and we were at our final exam. We went in for the final exam, and the, the thing it said at the top of the paper was that you needed to read the whole paper before you took the test. And so I read through the whole paper, and when it got to the end, it said, simply sign your name and you will receive an A and turn your paper in. So I did that. I signed my name. <laughs> I had some grades in that class that I needed to get an A. So I signed my name and I turned it in and I got an A on my final exam. But it would be interesting to hear Sumner Wimp tell stories in years to come because he had done that every year. I think that was the third year. And he, he would tell stories about how kids would just start and they would do the whole paper and then they would get to the end. Oh, and then they turned the paper in and you know what he would do? He would give them the grade that they got. Because he was trying to teach us that even as we give the gospel, because the whole class was personal evangelism, it's all about what? It's all about grace. You can't work, it's about grace. And the story of Christmas is a tremendous story of grace. It's a tremendous story of transformation. And that's what Paul's trying to get across to us. You know, the whole thing, this is such an important doctrine for us to learn, the whole thing about salvation and about grace and transformation is this. It's not about me. You say, well, salvation is about me getting saved. Yeah, I understand that. But salvation and everything is all about bringing glory to God. The first purpose of salvation is about God being glorified. It's not about your salvation. Listen, God could have glorified himself a thousand different ways, but he chose salvation to bring glory. And so when somebody cries out and says, I believe I'm a sinner, I'm putting my faith and trust in you, you know what? You know who's glorified? God is glorified. The reason that Jesus came to earth, the whole reason that Jesus lived for those 33 years and he died was that so God could be glorified. The first purpose of salvation isn't about us, it's about God being glorified. 
And every time a sinner comes and their life is transformed, God is glorified. That's the purpose. The purpose of salvation is to display God's grace, His power. It's not about you and me. It's all about God. It's so easy in this world to make Christmas about us, isn't it? Christmas isn't about us. It's all about God. It's all about God sending Jesus to live so that God could have a relationship with you and me because He desired it so much. He didn't need it, but He wanted it. So He wanted our lives to be transformed. The purpose of salvation is to display God's grace, His power, and to produce true worshipers. It is for the pri- it is for the glory primarily and secondarily for our benefit. You say, well, that sounds pretty selfish that Christmas is all about God and that even our salvation is all about God and it's all about lifting God up. And listen, that's the story of Christmas. It's all about God and His transforming power and He chooses to show that transforming power in the mark, in the life of Mark Vierick or in the life of Wayne Zosh or in the life of a John Martin, or in the life of a Jay Masters, or in the life of Phil Nelson. And you know, you go ahead, and I hope that we can say it's you here this morning too, that God, to bring glory to Himself, has shed His transforming power on your life. That's the true story of Christmas. It's about transformation lives. Yes, the world understands just a small part of the true meaning of Christmas because it shows it in its movies. It's transformation. But they forget it's all about God who does the transformation. And I love how this portion ends. Paul says, Timothy, believe this. Timothy, take this statement to the bank. Timothy, build your ministry around this statement. Timothy, don't miss this statement. It is a credible saying. He says it. It is a credible saying. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the saying. And he said, I'm the chiefest of those sinners. And he's done that work in my life, so I want to live it out before others. And it's not about me, but listen, listen to this great doxology that he gives you here. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And he says what? Amen. And he says, Timothy, get it. Get this. It's not about you. It's not about you at all, Timothy. Christmas is about who? It's about the King. It's about the eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, and He's the one who should get honor. It's not about these presents this morning. It's about the babe that was born in Bethlehem, that King who came, who left heaven to come here to earth, that King who took on immortality for you and me, who took on mortality. For you and me. That's the story of Christmas. 
It's transformed. It is life changing. That's the story. Has your life been transformed by this king, by this internal and mortal and visible, the only wise God? I hope so this morning. I pray that it has been because that's what Christmas is all about. Let's bow our heads this morning. You can go to the bank this morning on this statement. This testimony of God, this King, you can go to the bank on it. It's credible. You can build your whole life on this statement this morning. And the saddest thing would be if you're here this morning and you don't know King Jesus. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter if you have your name on a church roll. That's not what I'm interested in. My interest in you this morning is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where you admitted your sin and invited Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? That's what he came to do. We read it this morning. A time in your life where you believed you were a sinner, you believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and he was buried and rose again the third day for you. If you have never done that, this could be the greatest day for you. This Christmas day could be the day that you accept Jesus as your Savior right there in your seat. You could pray. Again, I always say it's not the prayer, it's the belief that saves you. Right there. You could, your life could be transformed today by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Christians that sit here this morning, let me tell you, if you have a transformed life, then you ought to be out living it before others so that others can come and have their lives transformed by the King of Kings also. If you're not sure of your salvation this morning, speak to me or to the Christ at the back door. But don't leave the building today without knowing for sure. Right there, you could pray right now. You could do it if you desire. Father, thank you that Christmas is all about transformation. It's about the stories of the people who sit here in front of me this morning. It's about my story. Lord, it's about our stories this morning. And it's not really... To bring glory to us, it's to bring glory to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that little baby who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus. May we leave today encouraged. May we leave today realizing we are transformed by the marvelous, powerful, wonderful, supreme grace of God. We didn't have anything to do with it. All we had to do was believe. Because you drew us to yourself and saved us. And so may you be honored and glorified this morning. If you're not sure of eternal life, speak to me this morning. Speak to Denny at the back door. We'd love to be able to show you. We'd love for you to know for sure that you're going to heaven. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.